Wonder how that woman came up with her cool idea and turned it into a business? Listen in to find out how. Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugalow, and on the show I interview artists, healers, changemakers, and entrepreneurs about what fires them up and how they put their dreams into action. I'm super excited today to have the author of Your Kick-Ass Confidence, Alyssa DeVere. Hi, Welcome. Linda. Welcome. I'm so excited, too. I know. Just being in your presence, I feel really kick-ass confident. Way to go. I love yeah. it. Yay. So tell me about that. Tell me about your work and how this came to be. Oh, gosh. That's a big question. So I'm going to give you little bits, and we'll, we'll continue the conversation as you like. You know, the bottom line is I was in marketing for many years. I was a marketing um, head of marketing for tech companies and then ran a marketing agency. And I love this idea of figuring out what motivated people, right? And so if you think about it, that's what marketing is underneath is really how do you get somebody to get motivated or you want to motivate them. But it does, but it wasn't like enough for me because I kept going to meetings and companies and even with friends and I would keep seeing particularly with women this lack of confidence and I'd be like what's going on here like wh what what's motivating or not motivating that like so I was on this perpetual hunt to find science and theories that would explain it and it was kind of a little hobby to be honest with you that eventually turned into a full-time career and uh, so here I am now, uh, a couple of years in with this new business. It's not my first rodeo of a business, but it's different because I speak and I write books. So it's a very different kind of business. Mm -hmm. So what did you discover in your research with neurology? Well, you know, initially back when I started the work many, many years ago, you know, again, as a kind of an amateur hobbyist, there wasn't a lot of neurology. We didn't really talk about neuroscience, you know, eight, ten years ago. So a lot of it was based on positive psychology, even back to uh, Maslow, 1940s kind of work, and subsequently Marty Seligman and some others that were dabbling in this area. And then there was this whole movement as parents, and I'm sure you know anyone out there who has a teenager uh, or older knows this whole thing about giving your kids self-esteem. So there was a lot of psychology, psychology, social scientists that were writing about it then. It wasn't until about, I want to say four or five years ago, where the neuroscience started to bubble up. And there was all this writing and research about neuroplasticity and mindfulness and self-compassion. And all these things started to swirl about. And I was in a really um, subsequently fortuitous situation because at the time it was actually devastating with my son who was dealing, we were dealing with a neurological condition that he has that I started to really have this ma maternal motivation now, not just kind of interest in it, but desperation to really figure out more about how the brain worked. And so now with that, that motivation, but also the timing with the science and the neuroscientists kind of all of a sudden becoming of interest to the general population, I could have access to those kinds of resources. So um, the grand conclusion, if you will, after all this work is that confidence, as is the topic that I focus on, really is something that you choose. And it's not something that you're born with. It's not something that you are necessarily lucky to get. People who are confident work at it. And there are things you can do to create more confidence in yourself and other people. And so that's kind of the grand, you know, ta-da, that kind of came <laughs> out of all of that. And actually, that's the good news. Yes. 
because people think, oh, I'm not confident, it's a fait incompli, you know, like right. oh, there's nothing I can do, but that's not true. It, it's actually, and this is what I've discovered for me, it's a practice. Just like we practice gratitude, we can practice confidence. It's a state of being. It is, and neurologically speaking, there are specific parts of your brain that actually do come into play when you are practicing confidence, when mm -hmm. you are making confident decisions. So we know that it is something you can control just like any other thought, but we're not really taught as children how to do it. We're certainly not taught as adults and the world almost wants to work in the opposite way. It wants to constantly ping and challenge your confidence. So unfortunately, we get weaker and weaker and weaker now one of the things that I found was really fascinating, and hopefully it'll make you smile, is that there's an age that actually we finally realize what it's all about. And it's unfortunate that we have to wait so long. Do you, you want to guess how long it is before we actually 60? get it? 60. <laughs> That's my girl. 60. 60. Yes. And so, you know, I, I, I scratch my head over this and say, wow, what? You know what a waste we why can't we figure this out well before so yeah. that's my mission is to help more people women especially but i work with ceos and entrepreneurs and all kinds of people of all genders and all ethnicities to really figure out this you know kind of secret to success well before 60. Mm -hmm. well it's so interesting that i mean I, that number just popped into my head. It's like, of course it's that because I have that experience personally and with friends. But to add a little woo-woo here, <laughs> I just can't help but, you know, for any of listeners who, or audience members who may be intrigued by this, in astrology, there's something called the Saturn return. It's when, so when we're born, you know, the planets kind of rotate in the sky and when we're born, the planets are in a particular position. And then every 28 years, 28, 29 years, Saturn comes back to where it was when you were born. And what I don't know much about astrology. I'm not an astrologer, but I have some interest <laughs> in it. And what I learned is that when you become like 29 or so, that's when you kind of feel like you're growing. You're really kind of grown up. You're out of the nest, really. You know, it's not... Of course, we're always developing, but there's something that happens around that time. And if you double that number, it's 58. Mm. And it's another level of maturity that comes in. And so I somehow feel like there's <laughs> something there in the stars, in the, you know, Maybe. Who knows? That, that may support that experience. Well, you know, I can at least explain the first milestone a little bit, again, from a neurological oh, perspective. Do, so. Do. It turns out um, that the human brain, particularly this part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, which is really where all the good juicy stuff happens, your analytical self, um, your rationalization, and where you formulate your values and your vision, because that's really where all that thinking happens, doesn't fully form in humans until they're 26. Really? So in reality, you know, I have, I mentioned I have two teenage sons, you know, their thinking is still all emotional in their limbic system because they simply don't have this part of their brain. But by the time you're 26, now it's fully functioned. Now all of a sudden you, you have the ability to start figuring it out. The good news and bad news is that at that point, you've already had a couple of punches to your confidence and you are now in a situation in most cases that you have to grow up, figure it out. So you're still getting kind of beaten up on, you know, who you are and what you want to be. 
So it is very much a, a mental strength game to kind of get and get on a good course at that point. By the time that we're 60, there's a couple of interesting psychological things that happen. One is that we finally realize, it takes us that long to realize that what other people think is just not that important, right? That the people that we care about, sure, but everybody else, you know, whether they like our shoes, our hair, or this or that, it's just not that important. So, I mean, I, I, I laugh because when we did all our research work, our survey work, and we asked people who ranked their, their confidence highest at 60, you know, 55, 60, 65 in that age range, we said, why? And every, almost everyone <laughs> said, because I don't care anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Now, why at 60? I don't know. Maybe it's just because you get to a point where you've mellowed out and you, you have things in perspective. Maybe it's just part of that learning. I don't, I don't know. But it sounds like what you're trying to do is to take the learning that happens perhaps more naturally at that age and see how we can bring that into our lives earlier on so we can benefit from it. Absolutely. And then, you know, also apply some of the science behind it because, you know, like all of us, you know, you, you, somebody can tell you what to do, you know, oh, I used to walk to school, whatever, you know, you don't like push off, right? You don't want to hear it. But when there's science and there's evidence, you know, the, the greatest example that I think applies to you and your listeners is, you know, I joke about the fact that yoga and mindfulness and meditation and all these things that really are building mental strength have been around for 3,000 years. If they didn't work, people wouldn't, have, wouldn't still be doing them. But now that we have the science to show why they work and, you know, what they actually, the outcomes that they give us, all of a sudden all these people are like, oh, I'm doing yoga. Well, yeah. Because you know what? What yoga does is it actually invokes all this stuff up here so that if you can have that neural pathway built, whether it's through yoga or just, you know, being more focused or mindful, there's a thousand different ways to do it. Yeah, it works and we know it does. And here's the science to prove it. So, so what do you see as the biggies in terms of lack of confidence and how does that impact people's lives? The biggies, you mean in terms of the, the impact or are you talking about? The things that people feel most hung up on. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, there's a couple of things in life that I would say challenge confidence more than anything. And the reason they challenge confidence more than anything is because they are clearly um, situations where you as an individual are being judged. So, for example, when you go for a job interview, um, you know you're being judged. You're, you know, your experience, your personality, everything about you is being judged. When you don't get that job, um, yeah, it's like a personal attack. It's like a personal insult. Um, you know, looking for a mate, those kinds of activities, again, where you have that personal judgment, um, very, very hard to manage in that situation. Um, I do a lot of work with people who are in transition for that reason, because their confidence is just taking such a sucker punch. Now, in reality, um, particularly in the business world where most of my um, work is focused, my claim is that we're all bullies. We're all bullies. We don't always realize it. We don't do it intentionally, but we deal with bullies every single day of our lives. And it comes in the form of this, Linda. Oh, you know, I met Bobby the other day and you go, I know Bobby, I've known her for 30 years, right? Like it's that kind of one-upping. It's the, the, the activities that we do in meetings to make sure that we're heard. So like maybe we're trying to be smartest person in the room, even though we don't think of it that way. We do things like that. And we all are unfortunately, culprits and victims. And that, again, it can just ping confidence. And you know whether or not you're emotionally intelligent and you realize you're doing it or it's been done to you, 
that still has an impact in here. So I think that, um, quite frankly, there just in a day's worth, you know, there used to be the measurement how many ads used to, you know, 5,000 ads you see during a day. I think it's equal number of how many times your confidence is challenged every single day. And yeah, I, 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 at some point we'll have to put some counters on people, but wow. it's that kind of thing where I think every single day you have, you make decisions about how you're going to act or react um, just in response to general life. That's so interesting. It makes me want to like have a piece of paper at my desk <laughs> and because, you know, we make comparisons like you're on even on Facebook and you see somebody have, I don't know, a post with lots of likes or whatever. And all of a sudden you might feel That's less right. than That's right. I'm going to I'm going to tally up how I feel and. Oh, all right. You give yeah. me one of ours. That's great. Yeah, I'll take it on as a little personal challenge. I don't know if obviously I'll be missing things, but yeah, it's but kind of still hard be to know. interesting. Yeah, and you know, you bring up a really good point um, too. Social media, this day and age, there's so much study, so many studies, and so much research being done right now on how it is just kiboshing people's confidence. Everything from fear of missing out, FOMO, to mm -hmm. you know, the the tie to depression. I mean. You can't throw social media under the bus completely because it has some really good factors and part of it to help people feel like they are connected and belong and liked and all that, that can be very good and very empowering. But certainly there are the downsides and they're very dark downsides. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of years how that changes because I think it really is taking a toll on a lot of mental health um, for many people. Mm -hmm. So you must have an antidote to what you just described, and maybe it's in your book. So sure. tell us about like, well, what do you recommend for, oh. to counteract those kinds of experiences? <laughs> well, um, yeah, no, I was gonna say it was like a big, big topic um, in and of itself too, but you know, I think there are some very basic things that we can talk about. And of course, happy to continue conversations with people on social media and otherwise. But um, you know, in a general sense, the first and foremost thing that I tell people is, remember that you're part of the human condition. We're all human, and no matter what people post, what people say, who they know, they are human just like you. They have the same body parts and the same you know, opportunities to some extent. Now, you know, it depends, of course, when you talk about lifetime opportunities, but at that moment in time, you know, I'm with you, we are equals, it's all good, right? And so as a result, when people do things like a smartest person in the room or they try and one-up you, Rather than react, because that's what we want to do, we want to come back with something. Just breathe. Remember, they're human too. They're not doing it to make you feel badly. But if you can kind of just take control and not react, that's a huge way to kind of keep your confidence in check. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Um, there are things like, you know, being tired. When we're tired, which we all are, none of us get enough sleep, right? Um, can't always, it's just life caffeine doesn't make up for it is that our brain, our neural pathways and our response times are really out of whack. And so it turns out um, Arian Huffington, who um, has written a whole bunch of books and body of knowledge on, on many things, but she's a big ambassador for sleeping more. She says that more car accidents, fatal car accidents in particular, happen because people are tired, not because they're drunk. Mm. Because we are really kind of uh, stupid in that we're not responsive, we're not thinking, we're not able to focus. And so imagine now you're in a meeting or you're having a conversation with whoever, it could be your mother-in-law, it could be anyone, right? And you're just not fully fueled. It's like being on half, 
you know, yeah, we don't have the resilience. We don't have the resilience, we don't have the energy, we don't have the focus, we don't have the ability to stop ourselves. Okay, you know, I'm not gonna say that. Mm -hmm. So being tired can be really a killer. Now with that said, can't always get more sleep, but can you recognize that you're tired? Mm -hmm. Can you say, oh, I'm tired, I'm gonna slow down today. Mm -hmm. You know, whether I have to drive somewhere, take it a little slower, whether I am going into a meeting or having that conversation, I'm just gonna be a little bit more calm. So, you know, again, that's a, that's a really good tip. Um, I guess, you know, there's a thousand of other You're tips right. like that. Of course. But, you know, what we try and do is really understand the power of controlling your brain um, is really in everybody's hands. You can do it. And there are lots of different exercises, habits, practices that, um, that we bring to the table because at the end of the day, when you live within your value system, when you're practicing what you believe, when you're not saying something that you know you're going to regret later, that's what builds confidence. Mm, yeah. It's interesting that you're talking about, um, you know, kind of being intentional. I was actually just doing a live stream today talking about how to feel more confident learning technology, online technology, mm. because that is such a source of stress for a lot of people, learning how to you know learn the different software that they're using in work and it's always changing it's always growing and some people may feel i don't i don't have the confidence i'm not good at this i'm terrible at technology right. and yeah, that's true. and they suffer a lot and they think oh it's easy for everyone else except for me and i had an experience a few years ago where i tried to get help in learning photoshop actually and I couldn't find anyone who could do exactly what I wanted. Mm. And I finally decided I'm gonna have to do it and I'm gonna have to get over it. And so what I did is I made a list of how do I wanna feel as I'm learning this? Because I, I noticed I had a really bad attitude. It was like, I hate this, I blah, blah, blah. I was just like, a, I was complaining. And that's not what you wanna move into anything, whether it's a meeting or learning tech or, or performing in any manner. So I sat down and I thought, okay, well, if I don't want to feel frustrated, how do I want to feel? And with that intention I came up with, I want to feel patient. Mm -hmm. I want to feel like this is fun, that I'm capable, that I'm relaxed, that I'm like really curious. And I just spent some time in the morning reviewing all those things. Like I'm going to go and I set up my, I'm going to set up my computers in my mind I'm gonna take a nice drink of cool water with ice and maybe a juice in it, sit outside. I'm gonna devote the entire weekend oh. to learn how to cut myself out and put myself in another <laughs> background. And oh. I knew that was ridiculous. You know, someone who knew how to do it, it would take them 15 minutes. But I gave myself an entire weekend to learn. Wow. And I decided I was just gonna be cool and calm about it and trust that by the end of the day, I'd know something I didn't know at the beginning of the That's day. Right. And you know what? That has served me well for the, for the last three years. Now, of course, I'm, I get a little frustrated, but generally, I really like learning about technology now because I switched my attitude. And what you said about you know, practicing it, I felt like I, I reprogrammed my neuropathway. You did. You definitely did. Well, first of all, you made a decision. You said, I'm, you may, I'm going to be confident about this, right? So you told yourself, you kind of took that admin seat in your brain and said, we're going to do this. And that's not as easy for everybody. You're a very motivated, you know, kind of open-minded person. And that, 
that's a beautiful thing and you absolutely in that weekend like reprogrammed yourself but you gave yourself um, something that I think everybody even if they're not that motivated can use and that's another um, neuro trick that or tip that we teach people which is the use of a structure and so one of the things that you can do is you can take a picture a certificate a song anything that kind of reminds you about something that you've done in the past that was a challenge you know that you've overcome you've won you've achieved and by really spending a minute and just kind of looking at it or listening to it or even just visioning it in your head we call those reality-based visualizations that you're something that you actually did do you start releasing some of the neurotransmitters that do create motivation so like the dopamine that you go that was such a good feeling that I had. I want it again. I want it again. And so it, it does have actually a neurological reaction. So now that you have that as a moment, as a structure in your past, it serves you really well every time that you run into that kind of challenge again. And I think if people have something that they're starting with, they, they have a new thing that they want to do, just think back about something else that kind of got in your way, that you overcame, try and visualize it, and it really does help kind of get that motivation going. That's wonderful. I love that. It's kind of like preceding your confidence with a, um, it's, it's like a sourdough. Like you put a little bit of the, <laughs> starter. the sourdough starter <laughs> yeah. in there and you that. let it. That's a good analogy. Yeah. I love that. Yes, it's a starter. Yeah, absolutely. And you can keep that starter for years and years and years That's and start right. lots and lots of bread. And yeah, bread's a good thing. I agree. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. So, so you have your book, Kick-ass life. You're a kick-ass life. Yeah. Let's have a kick-ass confidence. Yay. Kick -ass, so you're kick-ass confidence. Yes. Kick-ass confidence. Who is this for? Who is this for? Well, um, interestingly, I had written a book before this called Misinformed, and it was just for women. And when HR.com called me and said, we really want you to do some more research for anyone who is working, I said, okay, that's fine. You make it kind of non-gender specific. Um, of course, um, more women grab this book um, than men, and men often will grab it for their wives or daughters, and that's um, awesome. But I will say that I do, as I mentioned before, a lot of work with CEOs and entrepreneurs who are male. So it's not necessarily um, gender specific. I will say that it's for anyone who wants to have a greater impact. Um, particularly at work, but at the world at large, and they just feel like they have more to give, they want to do more. Um, one of the things that I feel really, really passionate about is that when you are confident, kind of what you started this interview, you, you bring that to everybody and everything, and that kind of impact is priceless. You know, whether it's my children or my friends or colleagues, if I can bring that sense of calm, cool, and control and confidence, well, all good. Yeah, I think there's something like we are, you know, we spread our energy. I mean, we all know what good vibes or bad vibes feel like. So a confident vibe is infectious, it just is. like any other kind of vibe. So if we consciously choose it, which is what you said at the beginning, then we are also spreading it. We are spreading it. So I'm going to drop a little bit more neuroscience, not to wig all your viewers out, but the way babies learn because we all have these things in our brain called mirror neurons. We like to imitate. 
and we don't even do it consciously, you just do it. Um, stroke victims often, they will invoke the mirror neurons to teach one side of the body how to relearn the other. And, and so the mirror neuron reaction, like when somebody yawns, right, everyone else yawns, there is a mirror neuron reaction. When somebody feels good and confident and they're kind of setting this tone for the, the room, you know, I have this beautiful quote in my workshops that, um, and I wish I could repeat it verbatim, but essentially it says, Somebody who's insecure does an insecure thing. It's like a vacuum. They try and come take all that air out of the room. But if there's somebody else in the room that's kind of in a confident state, maintains that confidence, calmness, and it doesn't mean lack of energy. It just means we're good, right? That sets the tone and that for everybody else in the room. So, you know, can you bring that even with a group of strangers? You can, you yeah. absolutely can. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to say anything. You can just, you know, that energy you speaks. Just be it. Yeah. 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 So you're a speaker. Can you tell? <laughs> yes. You know, I'm sure you share your your message in all kinds of corporations. Yeah. And um, you have a particular view about speaking. I I we you know before the show you kind of teased me with the idea it's not always pretty. And yeah. I was just wondering if you could share something very briefly about uh, like busting that myth of the speaker or what people might want to be aware of if they're thinking about getting into speaking. Oh gosh. That, that's, I know it's a big question. It, I yeah, just it's a great, just a little... great area. So, you know, I, I think that there's two things that have kind of changed my world as a speaker. And I've been doing it for a long enough time now that I still feel like you know, you're always learning, but these are two things that really, I think, can change people if, they're, if they want to do public speaking. The first thing is, it's not about you. You know, you're not the center of attraction. Yeah, maybe people are coming to see you because you have a great topic, or if you're lucky enough to be a name, fine. But it's not about you. The people are coming because they want to experience something. They want to be entertained. They want to learn something. They want to transform maybe on some level. And you got to let go of your own hang-ups like you don't worry so much about what you say and what you look like on the stage worry about whether you're reaching your audience and you're engaging and connecting with them and really doing them a service that they came to hear they're not there to cheer you on they're not there to watch you fall they're there because they have a selfish particular reason they want to be there and honor that because that's your job and I think that takes a little pressure off the hump of the speaker to be perfect and you know, it, it's important, but I think, again, you, you learn your material well enough, really well enough, so that your job that day on the stage is to make sure that audience is getting what they came for um, in a very generous way. I think it, it just changes the perspective. Um, but some of the dirty stuff, you know, nobody says this to you, but I'm going to tell it because I'm the kind of kick-ass kind of girl, right? You can't please everybody. You just can't. And you could be naked juggling fireballs. It doesn't matter. There's going to be one or two, maybe three people in the audience who don't want to be happy. They don't want to be, how shall I put it, transformed or otherwise more self-aware. And it's really hard. You can get a pile like this of beautiful glowing feedback and it's that one or two that isn't either, even if it's not negative, just not glowing. And you know, from a confidence perspective, I keep studying that because I, I get them and I'm like, oh, right? And I'm like, why is that? Why is that? Is it because we want to be loved by everyone? Sure. But reality is you can't. Yep. That is so true. So you got to just like find ways to let it go, forgive, and let them have their own 
truth. That's right. Yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. How can people get in touch with you? Oh, thank you for asking and thank you for having me. Kickass-confidence.com. So it's a hyphen in the middle is the website. And can I tell them about the, the little gift Absolutely. we're doing? Absolutely. So if you go to the website, um, you can fill in the form there or Alyssa at A-L-Y-S-S-A at kickass-confidence.com. Send slow me, down, slow down. Slow down. Alyssa, Alyssa at kickass I'm so excited kickass-confidence.com send me an email and I will send your viewers a free PDF of the book oh that is awesome my pleasure with grip gratitude so glad you came on today thank you for having me and wow if you aren't so psyched up already if you got something coming up and you're feeling a little bit nervous still I also have my freebie which is the blueprint for mastering the inner game of speaking and you can get that at lindayugalo.com forward slash blueprint to master your inner game. If you like this episode, be sure to tune in to the next one. Have a great day. I want to talk another half hour with you about all these other topics. <laughs>